John chapter 4, remain standing with me, grab your Bibles. John chapter 4, verse 1. And here this morning, you know, people have asked, Pastor, who are you going for? Are you going for the Patriots? Are you going for the Seahawks? To be honest, I hope they both lose. I'm just kidding. <laughs> both of them lose. I don't know if you've ever seen that MMA match where both guys knock each other out at the same time. You guys ever see that? If you've never seen it, just go on YouTube. It's hilarious. They both knock each other out on the octagon at the same time. You got to see the referee because he goes up and he goes, uh, 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 he doesn't know who to declare a champion. It's hilarious. So funny. So that's what I'm hoping happens. They both lose. But to be honest, I'm going for the Pats. Tom Brady, local boy. Go for him. John chapter 4, verse 1, says, Now Jesus learned that the Pharisees had heard that he was gaining and baptizing more disciples than John, although, in fact, it was not Jesus who baptized, but his life group leaders. Just kidding, it doesn't say that. If you're listening to the podcast, it says disciples. All right. So he left Judea and went back once more to Galilee. Now he had to go through Samaria. Somebody say Samaria. Samaria. It says, so he came to a town of Samaria called Sychar. Somebody say Sychar. Then it says, near the plot of ground Jacob had given to his son Joseph. Jacob's well was there, and Jesus, tired as he was from the journey, sat down by the well. It was about noon. When a Samaritan woman came to draw water, Jesus said to her, will you give me a drink? Now his disciples had gone into the town to buy food. The Samaritan woman said to him, you are a Jew, and I am a Samaritan woman. How can you ask me for a drink? For Jews do not associate with Samaritans. Jesus answered her, if you knew the gift of God and who it is that asks you for a drink, you would have asked him, and he would have given you living water. Sir, the woman said, you have nothing to draw with, and the well is deep. Where can you get this living water? Are you greater than our father Jacob, who gave us the well and drank from it himself, as did also his sons and livestock? Jesus answered, everyone who drinks this water will be thirsty again. But whoever drinks the water I give them will never thirst. Indeed, the water I give them will become in them a spring of water welling up to eternal life. Jump down to verse 39 of John chapter 4. It says, many of the Samaritans from that town believed in him because of the woman's testimony. He told me everything I ever did. So when the Samaritans came to him, they urged him to stay with them, and he stayed two days. And because of his words, many more became believers. Because of his words, many more became believers. Father, I pray here this morning, you remove me, place your Holy Spirit behind this pulpit. Let he that has an ear, let him hear. Father, I thank you and I praise you in Jesus' name. And we all said, before you're seated, shake your neighbor's hand and tell them the world is right here. Have you ever gotten a text message on your phone from a number that you didn't recognize? Has that ever happened to you before? You got a text message, somebody's texting you, and all you see is the number. But because you don't recognize the number, there's no name attached to the number, because you don't recognize it, you don't respond to it, right? Happened to me even the other day. Somebody texted me, and they text me in a manner like they know me. It's like, wait a second. You're talking to me like you know me, but I don't recognize you. I don't see your name. I didn't save in the contact. If you have an iPhone, you have to save it there, the contact. And so I get in this number, but because I didn't recognize it, I didn't respond to it. Sometimes in church, because you don't have an understanding of the person giving you the message, you won't respond to it. That happens to many of us, especially in church. God's giving us a message, but because we don't recognize him, well, I ain't going to respond to that. Wait, wait, you, you want me to go where? You want me to do what? You want me to give how much? I don't, I, I don't know you like that. 
I mean, I hear the message, but I'm not going to respond to it because I don't recognize it. Happens a lot of times within church. We hear the call out. We hear the cry out. And we hear it, and we even see it. We'll even see people come up here talking about they answered the call, but many of us, I ain't responded to that. I have no idea who told me that. But what's very important that what we got to catch here this morning, I believe that God is giving a call out to each and every man and woman that is sitting in this place here this morning. I'm not talking to those that you come faithfully every Sunday so you're here and I'm able to uh, hear a little bit more and I respond. No, I'm talking to those of you that even if this is your first time in this service, God is sending you a message. Will you respond? See, you and I, we live in a state and we live in a place within our land and also within our mind, that, man, I want you to know something. We are rich. We're rich in education. We're rich in finances. We're rich in filters with the water, with our food. We're rich. We live in a land that has given us riches. Well, listen to me. If we do not give these riches away, we're as selfish as anybody else. See, God has given you a message, and he's sharing it with you, each and every one of us. Matter of fact, he does it every day of our lives. He sends you a message. But I want to challenge you. I hope that you respond to the message. See, here in this portion of Scripture, we see a setting of a stage of what Christ was doing with his disciples. Now, it was very important that Jesus, the Bible says that he took his disciples to Samaria. Somebody say Samaria. Samaria. Now, this is very important. The Samaritans and the Jews, they hated each other. They didn't like each other. Matter of fact, Jews saw Samaritans as half-breeds. They were half-breeds. So they just kind of figured, as long as I don't mess with them, they won't mess with me. But if they try to mess with me, we're better than them. They're half-breeds. They're not full-blooded like myself. Now, Jesus was taking his disciples to Samaria let me ask you a question. What was the nationality of the disciples? They're Jewish. Why is Jesus taking them to a place where they know they don't get along with these people? Why is he getting them into a place where they have been educated since they were young, don't like these people, don't go around these people? This is what they were taught. So this is, if you look at this picture as a whole, you have Jesus Having a road ahead of them saying, okay, we're going to go and I'm going to take these guys with me. I know that they don't get along with these ones. So if you kind of put that in your head, you see the picture of what's going on. It's pretty much saying, okay, I know that they're from Dakota and I know that they're from A Street, but let's put them together and see what happens. If you've ever heard the story of Pastor Manuel and Yolanda, you he spoke here one time, and he talked about how when he came over here to A Street, because he was from Dakota, he came over here to A Street to, you know, hang out with his, his girlfriend at the time, and he said he got chased down the street with a bat. They were chasing him. Like, well, get out, because, you know, Dakota, and they didn't get along. I thank God for Victory Outreach. We're able to get married couples together, amen, even from different places. <laughs> Picture this. A group of guys that are following a leader that the leader's telling them, we're going to go to a place where I know that you don't get along with them, but let's go anyways. Pretty much, you know what's going to happen? It's about to go down. Something's going to happen. And not good. It's going to be bad. Because these guys already have a high horse they're coming in on because they're better than everybody that they're about to make contact with. Why was Jesus, Jesus taking them through this road? Why did he take them down a pathway that was known to be where the disciples had already been educated to despise? Why down to Sychar? I believe that Jesus was taking him down this road because Christ was trying to transfer his anointing to be able to reach the world. He knew that carnal hearts look no higher than carnal results. Matter of fact, as I studied here this the Sychar, I was like, Okay, why didn't it just say Samaria? Why does it have to say Sikhar? As I was studying this, and you could look it up on your own, there was two words that theologians believe that can be translated to that Sikhar means. It means the town of drunkards or the town of liars. You can find it there in Habakkuk or the book of Isaiah. What's interesting about this story is how the story takes a turn as Jesus comes into contact with this woman. Now, Jesus comes to this woman. 
Now, uh, you, you read what I read, the same thing, woman, I have living water. Then all of a sudden, after that portion of scripture, he comes up to the woman and says, woman, bring me your husband. And what did she say? I ain't got no husband. And Jesus goes, okay, let's get technical. All right. You're right. You ain't got a husband. You got five. She had five husbands. Whoa, wait, whoa, wait, wait. Shh. We don't talk about that here. Pretty much the first person that Jesus comes into contact to with is a woman with five husbands. I'm pretty sure this is a town of drunkards. Could be. Now, if you study it on your own, you'll see it. They used to do some crazy stuff over there, and they didn't really care. They didn't take to a lot of the law. They were half-breeds anyways. It wasn't a big deal. So here we see this portion of Scripture, Jesus coming down, and he sees a woman at this well. This story shows something that you and I must begin to understand that if we are going to reach a hurting and dying world, we must understand that the mission and mandate goes beyond the road that you pave yourself. It goes beyond what just you and I think about within our lives. Now, I know that this is Super Soul Sunday, and if you were here last year, I gave a Super Soul message, and it was great. But I believe this has just been weighing heavily upon my heart, that there is a new strategy. I came back from Mexico, and this was the message that God had upon my heart. I said, man, uh, when can I share it? I said, there ain't no better time than Super Soul Sunday, because there is something that is stirring up in the heavenlies for Victory Outreach Heart of the Bay. There is something that is happening, and you're going to be hearing a lot, message, a lot of messages just like this because they're upon my heart. That listen, God is doing something supernatural within the heart of the bay. But listen to me, this is very important. Heart of the Vitriarch Heart of the Bay has always been called a launching pad. It's never been called a soaking pad. It's a launching pad. We're not here just to soak up, but we're here to give out. Tell your neighbor, get ready to give out. If we are going to take this mission, this mandate, all around the world, then we must catch what Christ was trying to do right here in Samaria. Listen to me. Hayward is nice. I love Hayward, but some of you got to understand. Hayward is nice, but some of you, you're going to find yourself in a Samaria. Listen, Jerusalem is cool. Jerusalem is great. But one day, some of you, you're going to find yourself in a Samaria. Matter of fact, some of you even right now, you got a Samaritan in your midst. And you're wondering, man, God, why? I don't get along with this guy. Forget him. Maybe that's your Samaritan. Maybe you don't get along with him. All right. That's fine. It's perfectly fine. God, just, just take this guy out of here. Matter of fact, God says, no, I'm going to take you down the pathway and I'm going to have you meet that person right at the well. And you're going to talk with him. And you're going to work with him. And you're going to go side by side with him. Matter of fact, you're going to serve them, and you're going to, you're going to learn how to be served. We're going to go down the Samaritan road. There's three things that I see here of what Christ was trying to share with his disciples. Three things that we see that we can apply to what I believe that God is doing within the world vision of Victory Outreach, Heart of the Bay. I'm going to give them to you real quick because I believe that God wants to impart something here, even here at this altar. Number one. Jesus did what was necessary and not convenient for the mission. Jesus did what was necessary and not convenient for the mission. He had a mindset. He had a mindset, an understanding. He did not take the easy roads. He did not take the easy roads to get to his final destination. Some of you here this morning, you have to understand that the road that you're on, it may not be easy, but it doesn't mean that it's not God. See, far too often we ask God, God, take it away. And God says, no, go the way. God, can you remove this? No. Matter of fact, if you were here a couple of weeks ago, I talked about Paul and the thorn of his side. Three times I pleaded, Paul said. Three times. Finally, I just began to understand, well, you know what? It's a gift from God. I get it now. See, some of you right now, you're asking for a change of circumstance when you should be asking for a change of character. 
See, this is what Christ was trying to do. He had a mindset. He had an understanding of what was taking place within his life. Paul in Acts chapter 20, you can read it all right there. And it talked about he had to do what was necessary to make the proper adjustments to preach the gospel. It wasn't about remove this guy, take this guy out of here. Why are they talking about me? Why is all this happening to me? Why am I being persecuted? No, they made the proper adjustments and he did what was necessary, not convenient. Matter of fact, on your own time, uh, just this was hilarious to me. I was reading it. I read it a long time ago, but on your own time, Acts chapter 20, it's hilarious. I'm serious. The Bible says that Paul was preaching. Uh, um, read it on your own. Paul was preaching, and he started preaching, and he went into this upper room, right? He started preaching on the third floor, and he was pre- there was people all over the place. The Bible says that there was a guy in a window, and Paul started talking so much that the Bible says the guy fell out of the window because he got tired. He fell. Look at this is what it says. The Bible says that he fell and he died while Paul was preaching. Then, trip out of, I'm not making this up. Paul goes down. The Bible says, gets on top of him, prays for him, and then goes back upstairs and keeps preaching all the way through midnight until the morning. Just kept preaching. Matter of fact, then the Bible says the guy was not alive yet. The Bible says that Paul left the town, just left, and then when he left, the guy woke up. That's crazy, huh? Paul was a nutcase, dude. He was crazy. He was nut. But he never did what was convenient. He always did what was necessary. Listen to me. The call of God is not a convenience store. Oh, can I get maybe just a little bit of Snickers? I'm hungry, and I'm not me when I'm hungry. I can get a Snickers. Yeah, right. I get a little bit of this. You know, I'll just take a little bit of that. I like this person. He's a cool guy, so I'll hang out with him. She's cool. I don't really like her, so I'm, not, I'm just going to avoid her because she really gets on my nerves. As long as I avoid her, I'll be happier. I'll be so happy. I'll be so great as long as I avoid her because if she gets so, oh, she gets on my nerves, and I only got one nerve left because she don't want this one nerve because if I give her this one nerve, uh, she don't want this nerve. So I'll just just keep it away. I'll just be fine. Keep away. When I was younger, we used to play this game. I was probably around, we used to play this game from about, I was about six years old to about 10 years old. And we used to have this church over here on Royal Avenue. And we were there for a long time. And we had a small plot of grass that was right there that all the kids would play on. All the kids used to go out there and Mind you, we didn't have video games. We didn't have all this stuff. So we used to just make up games. Did anybody used to do that before? Just make stuff up, right? Parents, turn off the TV. Just go outside. What am I going to do? I don't know. Make it up. So we used to go out every When service was over, without fail, we'd go outside, and we used to play this game. Now, I can't give you the name. As, you know, we were little kids. We used to make up bad names, right? We didn't know any better, was, uh, you know. So just for the sake of the message, I'll call it, you know, tackle the guy, right? We'll just call it that. Tackle the, you guys know what I'm talking about, right? Okay, tackle the guy. And this, is, this was the whole objective of the game, right? You get a ball. Now, sometimes we didn't have a ball. We did this a lot of times. We used to get a piece of tape and wrap it up and wrap it up until it looked like a ball. I'm like, all right, there's a the ball. And this was the whole objective of the game. Throw the ball up. When the ball came down, somebody would grab it. Whoever grabbed it, Tackle them. That's it. That's it. That was a whole game. You know, just. Now, what you had to do, though, is once you got the ball, right, we throw it up in the middle. That was the whole thing. You had to throw it over the middle, and whoever caught it, boom. Their objective is they got to get to this side, touchdown, or this side, touchdown, whatever it was. If I wanted to go this way, I had to go over here and touch down. This was safe zone. But then you, you had to count, right? Okay, one alligator, two alligator, three. You can only stay in there for 10 seconds, right? We're just making it up. And then you had to go to the other way until they would tackle you. Well, I never forget, we used to always have this one guy without fail. We throw the ball up, right? Mind you, we're seven years old. Imagine seven-year-old kids. Throw the ball up, and we'd get it. Now, I was a small guy. I was, I was really never big. I was always small as a kid. But I used to always try to, you know, get it, get the ball. There's a few of us. I think Sal was there, too, a couple times. We'd do that, just grab it and, and you know, tackle guy. I've got to go after it. There was this one guy, without fail, throw the ball up, right? You throw it up in the middle. Boom. He would just kind of back up, watch that. 
go. He would see everybody go. And then as everybody go, everybody start tackling the guy. And they tackle him. And then, you know, like, you know, boys. Just, yeah, we get him. And then this kid, he would wait for us to tackle him. Then he'd go up on top. Oh, yeah. All right, guys. Good job. Good job. Woo, we got him. We got him. Got him. Good job. Good job, guys. Good job, guys. Okay, throw it up. Throw it up. And then he'd wait. The ball would go up. Somebody get the ball. They would go and they would tackle him. Yeah, all right, guys, good job, good job, good job. Without fail. Till finally I remember, we were like, dude, tackle the guy. Get somebody. And I remember I told a couple of the guys, seven-year-old, just like my son, I always just tell everybody what to do, right? Hey, 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 okay, don't tackle him. Let him tackle him. I said, don't tackle him, let him tackle him. So without fail, we threw the ball up. Guy got it, and nobody went to tackle the guy. We waited for him, and we saw him. And we go, tackle him. You get him. You get it. And they go, tackle him. And we wait. The guy went over here who had the ball and scored. And then just like kids are, you know, real private, didn't even run. He was like, and we're waiting, tackle him. You get him. Because we were so upset. Like, come on, man. Quit backing up. Get in there. Get, go after it. And I'll never forget. He was like. <laughs> finally, finally, he grabbed the guy by the leg. We're like, all right, well, we'll take that. It's not what we want, but we'll take it. At least he tried. And then after that, we'd all go in there, you know, tackle the guy. and Just keep going. Listen to me. We need men and women that are not going to back up when the call goes up. We need men and women. Oh, no, let them do it. Let them do it. No. Listen, I, I know you got to do whatever you got to do, even if it's a small part of what you feel the call of God is, even if it's just hanging on the leg. Just hold on just a little bit. Don't worry. There's reinforcements on the way. We're going to be all right. But just do your best. Don't back up. I know it may be tough. I know it may be hard. But grab a hold of it. There's reinforcements. There's other people on the way. Don't back up. Don't be convenient. You got to do what is necessary, not convenient. Sometimes Sometimes it is a little hard. Sometimes it is a little difficult. Sometimes I know even on a Thursday night, you're like, man, I'm late for church. I just forget it. No, you got to go after it. Even if it's just a little bit, say, man, I got to go after God. I got to grab a hold of him. Well, I don't feel like calling anybody. I don't feel like doing that. No, make the call. Do whatever you got to do. Go after it. We need people that are going to do what's necessary, not convenient. It's convenient just to back up. Uh, let Pastor Daryl handle it. He could do that. Let him take care of it. Ah, oh, Pastor Manuel, they've been involved in ministry for years. They've got it. Let them do it. You know what? I've been looking at, even within our pastoral staff, and man, we have experience on top of experience on top of experience on top of experience on our pastoral staff. And I looked at that and I go, man, God, show me something. So this is what he showed me. He showed me that it's very easy for a lot of the churchgoers who have been in church for a while to look at these men and go, they can do it. No problem. I'll let them handle it. Listen to me. Church is not a convenience store. Sometimes you're going to have to do what is necessary to get the job done. I know we've got some other players on the field that they've been playing for a while. I know that they've been going for a while, but listen, we need some new Ronnie Lotts. We need some new George Blandis. We need some new Tim Browns. We need some new Jerry Ryan. We need some new men. They're gonna start saying, hey, give me the ball. I'll go after it. I'll take it. You want me to go through Samaria? I got this. Wherever you want me to go, I will take this call and I will go after it. Why? Because it's necessary. The second thing that I see here is that he saw this woman as an open door to the world. He saw this woman as an open door to the world. It was the timing of God. It was the perfect timing. He met this woman. She was there. He came. It was the perfect time. Newt Rockney said the essence of football was blocking, tackling, and execution based 
on timing, rhythm, and deception. Based on timing, rhythm, and deception. Listen to me. When we went into South Africa, it was the timing of God. It was the right time. I have learned so much about the timing of God. When is the right time? And, and believe me, there's been a lot of times where even me and my wife, we've been talking. We've talked about a few things. And even my wife, she's gotten a little frustrated with me because I just say, well, I don't know. You know, I'm just kind of thinking about it. I'm going over it because I want to make sure that it's the timing of God. I want to make sure that it's the right timing. When we went into South Africa, we said, this is the right time. This is the right time. Back in 2001, I think my father went in 2000. My father went to South Africa. When he came back, all he was talking about was South Africa. You would have thought he was African. I'm dead serious. I mean, he talked about everything. We saw videos upon videos upon videos. I still remember the prison video from Polsmore. Oh, my gosh. Those guys are, jeez. Those are, they make our prison gangs look like, you know, they're like the, our gang from the Little Rascals or something. I'm really not joking. I'm not joking. Because at night in this Polsmore prison, it's crazy, right? Polsmore prison, they, uh, I think it's at 9 o'clock. They shut off the lights, and all the guards leave the prison. They just leave it. They don't go in. They just shut the doors, they lock them, and they leave it. Whatever happens, happens. They don't come back till like 6 in the morning. It's crazy. The, the, the value of life. There in South, I mean, it's just, I'll never forget, because they have these gangs, they call the 26s, 27s, 28s. One, I, I want to say it's the 26s, I, I don't remember exactly. It's the 26s that a part of their initiation, when they get jumped in the gang, is you got to kill the guy, and then you have to eat part of his body. Sickening, huh? It's crazy. Like, wait, I mean... Over here in America, like, man, at least when we kill people, we have a nice burial for them. You know, like, we're nice about killing people. They don't really care about that. Value of life is down here. It's nothing. So when my father met the woman at the well in Cape Town, he said, this is the right time. Whatever happened before, I couldn't change that. But now, this is the time. This is the right time. It's the right moment. We're getting in here, and we don't want to miss this divine window of opportunity. Listen to me. The divine window of opportunity is exactly what took place in South Africa. It's exactly what took place in the Philippines. In fact, listening to the story of Pastor Darrell, how he even got on the plane, it was just like, all right, I just showed up. Let's go. Because Pastor Darrell saw the divine window of opportunity. Matter of fact, Pastor Darrell, I don't even think it was a pastor when you went, Right? He was just a guy in the church that just said, I see the window, I want to go. That's it. He was just, just a regular person in the church, just coming and giving. But Pastor Dale, he saw the window. He said, I don't want to miss the window. It's the right time. Listen to me. Victory, I return to the bay. The right time is coming up real soon. It's coming up real soon. Now, you can easily be distracted by, well, you know, what about this and my job and my finances? Listen, I get it, but all that stuff is to prepare you. Look, I, I don't know if you know this, but there's more to life than just making money. I'm, I don't know if you've never heard that before, but I'm just giving you a little bit of truth. There's more to life than making money. And we see this divine window of opportunity that my father had taken, just like Jesus at the, the, the Samaritan there at the well, the woman at the well. And then all of a sudden, things begin to change. Now, the thing that began to change is that when we see this divine window of opportunity, we sent our best. Because when you send your best, it creates a culture within the church for world evangelism. A culture within the church for world evangelism. Now, see, now you're understanding where I'm going with this message. All right here. This is the brunt of it right here. It's not convenient, but it's necessary. And then also right now, it's the timing of God. Listen to me real soon. Some of you right now, I know you may think, well, I don't have all the education. I, I don't have that much money. And, or I'm not even a leader. I'm not even titled. I, I don't have all this understanding. Did you know that Jesus' disciples, when they were there, they were barely Jesus' disciples. He had barely talked with them. He had barely been walking with them. These guys weren't great. They weren't healing people with their shadow yet. 
They weren't speaking and thousands were getting saved. These guys were just guys that could know how to fish, grab the fish, cut it open, and say, hey, let's eat. That's all they knew how to do. These were just regular, ordinary men. But the ordinary men, God was trying to show them something. He was trying to tell them, look, this is the timing right now. This is the perfect time. And listen to me. When we sent Pastor Chucky, it was the timing. When we sent Pastor Christian, it's the timing. When we sent Pastor Will and Dana, it was the timing. It's the right timing. So don't think for a second, well, uh, how come I want to go? No, it's the timing. Look at your neighbor and say, it's the timing. This is what I've learned. This is Super Soul Sunday, right? So this is football. Everybody knows that timing in football is very important, right? But this is what I've learned. The quarterback gets the ball, and he throws it where he wants the guy to be. He doesn't throw it where he is. He throws it where he wants him to be. Some of you got to catch this here this morning. Some of you, we're going to throw something at you, but you ain't there yet. It's okay. The moment you understand that we're going to throw it, and when we throw it, do your best to get there. It's very important because if not, you'll miss the timing and the enemy will snatch it out. The enemy will take it away. But I believe that God is raising up men and women that are going to be receivers of the call. That the moment you hear the vision and the vision gets thrown, you're going to run there. I know there's going to be people trying to tackle you. I know there's people going to be gossiping about you. I know there's people going to be trying to mess you up, trying to take you down. I know bills are going to try to distract you and bring you down. But the moment you get there and you accept it, it's the timing of God. The perfect timing. At the right time, at the right place, at the right moment. The timing of God. We need men and women that are going to be able to feed this window. The third thing and the last thing as I close with this, that we see that Jesus did when it came to this woman at the well coming down to Samaria. First, he made sure that it was necessary, not convenient. Then we also see that it was an open door, the right timing. And the third thing is that he wanted to enlarge the heart of his leaders. Enlarge the heart of his leaders. See, this is very vital to the growth of his ministry. This was very vital to the growth of even our ministry. Look, we just came back from the Philippines. And when we went to the Philippines, wasn't that awesome? Don't, when you travel, don't you see things differently? You feel things differently, experience differently? Listen, you can never enlarge your capacity. You can never enlarge your vision. You can never enlarge your ministry until you enlarge your heart. Until you enlarge your heart. See, some of you right now, the heart for world evangelism is like, well, I'll think about it. I don't even know if I should be a United We Can member or not. I don't know. We'll see. Maybe I'll, I'll have a little, I'll put a little pity dollar out of my heart. And give them a, a dollar for United We Can. Because I, I think it works. We'll see what happens. That's how the disciples were. Until he took them to Samaria. Ah, oh, these little half-breeds. That's no big deal. What are they doing? But all of a sudden they went and they, whoa. I never saw it like this. Never seen, I never felt it. Whoa. Where did that come from? Where did that take place? I've never, I've never felt anything like this. I've never seen anything like this. He enlarged their perspective. He enlarged their heart. A few years ago, there was a pastor that came here. I'll never forget. I love him. Great friend of mine. It was Pastor Patrick Roberts. And, oh, dude, he's, he's not only a great preacher, he's funny. You have to know his humor. It's hilarious. Now, he's European. He is from Amsterdam, right? Now, if you know anything about Europeans and the countries there, they, they have a totally different perspective than Americans. They just see things differently. They experience things just because they, just the way they see it. So I'll never forget, he said, this is the way he tells me the story. The first time he came to the United States, he stood in the Urban Training Center, the UTC, right? He was there. And as he was there, he was so excited because one of the things that he heard a lot about was the great Mexican food. Now he's Dutch. Keep in mind, so he said, oh, man, I heard so much about this Mexican food. So he's so excited, right? So he goes down for dinner the first night he's there. He's there at dinner. And he's sitting down at the table, him and his wife, his children. And he says, okay, what's for dinner? And he said, tonight we're going to have burritos. And he's like, ooh, burritos. What's a burrito? 
says, well, a burrito is a tortilla. You get some meat, and you get some lettuce, and you put it in there, and you wrap it up, and you take it, and you call it a burrito. He's like, ooh, a burrito. All right. So he has the burrito. It's great. Awesome. He loves it. Next day comes for dinner. All right, so he's excited again. What's for dinner? Oh, tonight, you're going to love it, Pastor Patrick. It's tacos. He's like, awesome. What's a taco? Well, a taco is a tortilla, and you put some meat inside of it, and get a little bit of lettuce, and you just kind of wrap it up, and you put it right there, and, you know, you get some meat. That's a taco. He's like, okay, all right, a taco. So he gets it. He eats it. He loves it. He's like, oh, man, this is good, good stuff, good tacos. The next day, they have dinner. They're like, are you ready? We got dinner. He comes on down, gets on down there. He says, okay, what are we having for dinner? Tonight, we're going to have a chimichanga. What's a chimichanga? Well, it's a tortilla, and you get it, and you put some meat in there, and you fry it, and you put, you put some sour cream with guacamole, and he's like, okay, all right. So he has a chimichanga, loves it, think it's great. The next day, they have dinner again, and he's like, all right, I hear so much about this Mexican food. What do we, tonight? So what's for dinner tonight? Tonight, Pastor Patrick, we're going to have nachos. What's nachos? Well, it's tortillas, and you cut them up, and you put them like that, and you have to fry it, and then you can put some meat on top of it, and then get some lettuce. If you want sour cream, guacamole, and it's like that. Okay. The next day, now he's about, like, wondering, okay, where's this awesomeness from, you know, Mexican food that he's talking about, he's like, okay, there's got to be something different the next day. The next day, he goes downstairs, and he's like, okay, I know we're not going to have, you know, anything else like we've been having the next couple of days. Oh, no, no, it's different, different tonight. Okay, what do we got tonight? Tonight, we're going to have tostadas. <laughs> What's a tostada? Well, it's a tortilla, and you kind of flatten it up, and you put some meat on it, and some lettuce, and... Same thing. When I heard that, I go, oh, my gosh. I never saw it like that. Being a Mexican-American, this is just it's normal to me. It's just what I eat. But coming from a guy from the outside, he said, man, you guys are doing the same thing, just calling it something different. You're doing the exact same thing. Some of you right now, you're in church. You're doing the same thing, just calling it something different. You can hop from this ministry to that ministry. You can hop from life group to life group. But the problem is your heart has not been open to what God is trying to show you yet. It's the same thing. Listen, if we are going to take this world for Christ, we're going to need men and women that their hearts are open. They're open. Now, the thing that I love about Pastor Patrick, he goes, man, you Mexicans, you're creative, man. I give you that. You're creative. If you know Dutch food, Dutch food, it's so many variables of different foods, all spicy, non-spicy, and there's really good food, different stuff. When you travel the world, you see things differently. You just do. The first time I went to the Philippines, I will never forget, because we used to always say this. When, we, when I was here in the States, we used to always eat our food, and we'd have leftovers, and we'd go, hey, bro, there's starving children in Africa. You should finish that, right? There's starving kids in, in China. Man, you don't, you don't like starving kids, right? We just mess around with each other. When I went to the Philippines, that totally changed that phrase for me. Totally changed it. I don't play around with that phrase anymore because it's true. It's true. See, when you don't know the truth, you just play around with things. No big deal. Certain phrases and certain things and certain this, eh, no big deal. It's funny. But when your heart actually gets open, open to a young boy who actually walks up to you with his hand out, hasn't eaten in weeks, and says, can you help me? It changes your perspective. It changes the way you look at things. It changes the way you see things. The Bible says that Jesus took his disciples to a place where he needed to change their hearts. So he took them to Samaria. He took them to a place where they weren't normally used to going. Some of you here this morning, I'm telling you, and this is a guaranteed fact. I'm going to do this. If you know anything about me, I try to stick to my word as much as possible. We're going to throw this vision out this year. 
And we're going to throw it out to some people. And we're going to throw it out to some men. And we're going to throw it out to some women. And I know you don't have all the education. I don't care about that. We're just going to throw it out there. And we're going to see who catches it. We're just going to see who catches it. If we are victory outreach, we got to stop being inside. Some of you this year, you need to plan. See, some of you, you're, you're not planning. You're not even thinking like that. Oh, I can't do that. Some of you need to, I know you're married. I know you got your children. But plan it out accordingly to say, you know what? This year, I need to go somewhere. I need God to take me to a place where my heart needs to be opened. Because right now, some of you, you're just doing tostadas, and it's the same as a taco. You're doing the burrito over and over and over again. Some of you in the worship. Some of you in the kids gang. Some of you in the youth gang. Some of you, I don't know. But God, I believe that this year, listen to me, this year, God wants to expand our hearts. He wants to enlarge our hearts. He wants to enlarge what he wants to do in this church. I know we don't have a very large church. I know that we don't have hundreds and thousands of people. But the people that we do have, Christ only took 12 men to Samaria. But when he took 12 men to Samaria, those 12 men flipped the world upside down. Don't think that it's going to take a large amount of people, hundreds of people, thousands of people. It's only going to take a few people that say, hey, I want to enlarge this thing. I want to enlarge this thing. Show me something that I've never seen before. I want to experience something that I've never experienced before. Some of you, you got to stop praying, God, take it away. And you got to start praying, God, thank you for keeping it in my path. God's doing something at your job right now. I know that these, these Asian women, they're making fun of me in their language. So? I know these guys, these Indian guys, they keep making, they're there at my job and they're constantly talking their language and I don't speak their language. So? There's one language that I know that we say all the time. It goes beyond all dialect of the tongue. Love. That's what Christ was trying to show his disciples. I know you don't get along with these Samaritans, but we're going to go right through their pathway, and we're going to see what happens. Some of you right now, you're at your job, you're just passing through, but God's preparing you while you're there. He's preparing you for something even larger than what you've ever seen before. This Victory Average Heart of the Bay, as they come to the piano, Victory Average Heart of the Bay is a launching pad, not a soaking pad, a launching pad. I believe that this year we're going to see things and experience things like we've never experienced before. It's not by chance that we've sent out Pastor Chucky, Pastor Will, Pastor Christian. We've sent out all these ones, Bossy and, and different ones. We've had so many different missionaries. You know what I was looking at? I was trying to take an a, a inventory of the men and women that are even out there. All, the majority of all the people that we've ever sent out They've all went somewhere first, and then they're at their destination. All of them, they went somewhere. See, a lot of times we think, and I say this because this even happened on my time. Or excuse me, it happened to me in the timing that I thought for me. We think, okay, as long as God does it this way, then I'll go the path. As long as God does it this way, then I can do it. Maybe that's not the case. I was talking to Pastor Christian the other day. He's pastoring in the Philippines. He went to Ireland first. And you, <laughs> I'm not making this up. You know why my dad sent him? Because he was tall and white. I'm serious. Well, that's what it sounded like on the outside. You're a tall guy. You're a white guy. Just go. I don't speak any Irish. It doesn't matter. It's the luck. You'll figure it out. And so he went. Just went to Ireland. I was thinking about even Pastor Richard, who's not even with us, but when he went out there, before he went to the Philippines, he went to Spain. Just went to Spain. Learned their Spanish. And if you know Spain, Spain is not Mexican Spanish. It's not Mexican Spanish. Totally different. And they will make fun of you. If you anybody ever been to Spain? Or you know the Spaniards? I've been to Spain. They make fun of you. And they'll say it in front of you, even if you understand it. They don't care. Because they, they're, they're kind of like the Jews to the Samaritans. They'll speak it like that. 
Nah, you don't know Spanish. It's not proper. I don't know. Wow. And that's where he went. They made fun of him, so. He stood out. I think he stood there for like two years or something like that. Just went out there. Just go. Just do it. So a lot of times we have on our minds how we think it's going to happen. Okay, as long as it happens this way, because, you know, I got, I got this, I got to deal with this, and we're about over here, and if it happens this way, then I'll, God, I'm full guns. God says, mm, I like that. It's a good idea, but let's go to Samaria. Wait, you do know who I am, right? Like, I don't have that much education. I'm kind of all messed up. I was just like a drug addict just a little while ago. You do know that there's some crazy things. I've been divorced five times. You do understand that, right? I've been all messed up. You, you do understand the complexities of my situation with my family and my children. It's not even my real son. It's not even my real daughter. They don't even like me. I'm barely getting along with my You do understand that, right, Jesus? Sure I do. Let's go to Samaria anyways. But, but, but God says, listen, I know the plans that I have for you. And I know they're not going to harm you. They're not going to mess with you. Matter of fact, they're going to bless you. If you will just see what I'm trying to show you here. There's a woman at a well. I believe that this year there's going to be a woman at a well. And we need the timing of God. The timing of God. The timing of God. The timing of God. The men and women, they're going to get on there. Get on their feet. Get on there ready. And get on, market set, and go. But I don't, I'm telling you, the moment you receive it, you're going to see some miraculous things happen. But I, let somebody else do it. Don't back up. Keep coming. Grab a hold of it. Grab a hold of that thing. But I'm not as good as them. They're, it's okay. Just, just grab the ankle. If all you got to do is just grab the ankle, just grab the ankle. You're going to be all right. There's reinforcements on the way. This year, Victory Outreach Heart of the Bay, I believe, and I shared this, I think it was uh, a little while ago, where I talked about building a monumental church. This church is going to grow when we send. That's how we grow. I don't know about other churches. I cannot speak for other churches. I cannot speak for other ministries. I can't. I don't, we don't have their anointing. We just don't. We have an anointing, but it's just that's not what we have. Our way of growing is by giving. We give. Get on up. But what about, I thought I was, well, don't you want me to? I, well, it would be nice, but you can go. We'll see you. Luck of the Irish. Peace. We'll call you. Email. Facebook. Instagram. Pinterest. We'll see you. See, some of you right now, you're wondering why. Man, why am I so... Just uncomfortable. Why is this happening? Why is it? You know why? Because the road that you're on is beginning to create a conviction for the call of God. Conviction will always uncomfort your comfort. Conviction will always uncomfort your comfort. You know what conviction does? Conviction makes sure that you don't become a professional Christian. That you don't become a professional Christian. Stand up, lift your hands, shake a hand, hug somebody, sit down, give in the bucket, stand up, lift your hands, open your Bible, close your eyes, bow your head, stand up, make an altar call, I'm gone. When you develop a conviction that says, no, I know that there's something greater than just standing up and sitting down. I know that there's something greater than just clocking in and clocking out. I know that there's something greater than looking forward to having money in a bank account. I know that there's something greater than just coming and sitting in a pew. I know it, I know it, I know it. And the moment you understand it, the window opens up, the heart opens up. It says, I'm ready to go. I'll go where you want me to go. I'll do what you want me to do. I, I said with my wife the other day, I was talking to her about Pastor Sonny and the way he was talking to me. Man, I got convicted. I had a, an hour and a half long uh, conversation with Pastor Sonny. He was talking to me about Ireland. 
And I got convicted because he said, this is what he said. He goes, if it doesn't work out, because they have a plan. If it doesn't work out the way that they're doing, because they have some people, men and women, that they need to get some visas. And visas are not easy to get. They're just, they're not that easy to get. And so they're trying to, but he says, if they don't get it, he goes, me and my wife, maybe we'll go. Wait, wait. Whoa. Hold on one second. You're telling me that you will leave all this pastoring of this worldwide movement just to go focus on Dublin, Ireland? He said, yeah. We got to do it. He goes, I got to do it. I got to do what is necessary. So I was talking to my wife. I go, man, I go, that's so much conviction. I, I, I mean, I didn't say it in my heart. I did because I wanted to talk to my wife first, but I was like, forget that. I go, we'll go. Go, me and my wife, I know I got four kids, so they'll figure out how to get to the end of the rainbow or something when they're in Ireland. I don't know. That's what I'll just tell Elijah. Elijah, just run until you chase the rainbow, right? Okay, Dad. I don't know. But I mean, that's like the conviction that he had. I said, man, no, wait, wait, you don't, I'll go. I'm, the, I'm 45 years younger than you. Let, let me go. You don't, well, hold on. Like, you shouldn't be doing that. Let us do that. It's our job. It's our time. So we're called to do. Even when I talked to my wife, she said, hey, hey, we got to go. We got to go. All right. Because I love Hayward. But I'm on assignment. I'm on assignment. Listen to me. Those of you here in this church, what makes us different than most churches is that we see men and women that are on assignment. Not to come to the church, but to preach the gospel. Listen to me. To preach the gospel. Christ got them out of their comfort zone to preach the gospel. This message got passed on even to Paul who never even met Jesus and said, hey, i become all things to all men. I'll do what I got to do. You want to be Greek? I'll be Greek. You want to be Jewish? I'll be Jewish. You want to be Samaritan? I'll be a Samaritan. What do you want me to be? I'll be anything because I got to preach this gospel. It's conviction. Some of you here today, you got to develop a conviction. It says, hey, I'll go. I'll do. I'll say. And you'll look beyond all the mistakes and mishaps of your your life that you have right now say listen I, I gotta preach the gospel some of you right now you got a Samaritan at your job learn to preach the gospel to that person because if you could preach to her or to him he says okay now let's go down and let's meet all the rest of the other Samaritans conviction of the Holy Ghost the world is right here stand with me here this morning hallelujah come on give the Lord a hand of praise amen Every head bowed and every eye closed on this Super Soul Sunday. Every head bowed and every eye closed. And as the worship team begins to prepare a song, and they prepare a message, uh, a, a, a song that I believe is going to continue on, not just but with the inspiration, but with the conviction. And listen, if that's you here this morning.